forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Standing on winning inside, fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Hi, this is Kat Howard. I am the writer for the Books of Magic, which is part of DC Vertigo's Sandman universe. Um, today, I am going to be walking through issue seven. Um, with all of you. I'm really excited. Uh, first, I want to go ahead and uh, introduce the art team behind this gorgeousness. Uh, the layouts are done by Tom Fowler, who is amazing. Um, we have been joined this issue by Brian Trilla, who is doing the finishes to Tom's layouts. Um, they're just, it's fabulous work from both of them. Um, Jordan Boyd is continuing to do absolutely stunning colors. Um, and the lettering is done by Todd Klein. They're a great team. They make this book look so gorgeous. One of the highlights of my job is seeing what they do with every new issue. It's just a thrill. And of course, um, our cover is done once again by the incredibly talented Kai Carpenter. So that's who we are. Welcome to the issue. Over the river and through the worlds. We open with uh, tragedy striking a London school for a second time. <clears throat> what the reader knows, of course, is exactly what has happened to Ellie. She has been taken and put into a book by the school's untrustworthy and perhaps evil librarian, Mr. Davies. The reader also knows what happened to Bartholomew Brisby. Um, he's dead. He's been dead since the uh, preview issue. And we just found out in issue six that it was Tim's good friend, Dr. Rose, who killed him. So there's all sorts of chaos going on here. But what we see when we start out, um, as we switch over to page two here, um, is that the chaos and everything that's going on, um, the police, the mundane police, they don't really have any idea of any of these things. And so we see uh, Detective Chief Inspector Patel and Detective Inspector Nix here meeting with the headmaster, taking some notes, trying to figure out what is going on. If anyone knows what happened to Brisby, if anyone knows what happened to Ellie, um, and the name that keeps coming up as they talk to everyone is Tim Hunter. And now maybe some of this is deliberate. Um, as we see on page three, we uh, have Tim's sort of, well, if Tim had a mundane nemesis, it would definitely be Tyler. Um, he is, they're not good friends. And Tyler, unfortunately, is one of the people who knows that Tim can actually do real magic, um, which has made the relationship between the two boys even more complicated. So, you know, we see we see the uh, detectives being pointed in Tim's direction. The really interesting thing, though, is that Tim's not there at school. And he's, uh, no one has seen him since Ellie disappeared. 
However, as we turn to page four, we see a bit of where Tim is. Um, and at the end of issue six, Tim had to make a decision. He had to decide whether he was going to go look for his mom, who has been missing for the entire storyline so far, or whether he wants to go look for Ellie. And he made the choice um, to go look for Ellie because he figured his mom made her own decision. Um, and as much as he misses her and would like to have her back, that was her choice. Ellie didn't choose. Ellie was taken. Um, and so Tim is really upset about this, wants to make things right. Um, and so what we're going to see is the consequences of this choice, much like many of the other consequences of choices that Tim makes throughout the series. Um, but the first thing that we see is they're, they're looking for doors, Tim and Rose. They're looking for doors to another world, to a world where Ellie might be. The first thing we see is a definitely wrong door, this great, fabulous, tentacled monstrosity that's sort of being, Tim is trying very hard to keep from coming into our world, and then Rose explodes with her... Um, uh, tuning fork sort of magical device there. That was great. I love seeing the things like, you know, oh, what are we going to destroy the monster with? A tuning fork, of course. Um, and basically, they're saying, you know, Rose is saying that she knows what kind of magic is needed. This do door magic, this traveling magic. But other than that, she's not positive how to get to Ellie. Um, and so this is one of the things, you know, Rose has seemed sort of almost all-powerful to Tim for most of the book so far, and so now he's struggling with the fact that she may know a lot, but she doesn't know everything. So he's sort of got this background of, can he even trust her? She murdered his teacher, after all. Um, and what is, you know, what is her role in all of this? So they're looking for doors, and they're looking for doors. And then we get to Rose telling Tim, you know, you know, the thing that would really help it would be is if we had your owl, Yo-Yo. Yo-Yo um, is named Yo-Yo because he sometimes is a Yo-Yo when he is not being an owl. Um, because it can be easy to, easier for owls to pass over the borders between worlds. And Rose thinks that maybe Yo-Yo might see a door that's unavailable to her. Um, in issue six, Tim left Yo-Yo with his friend Mad Hetty. Um, and her birds because Tim realized that, you know, things were going a little bit weird in his life, that not everything had been working out for a while. Um, and so he was like, okay, well, what we're going to do is I'm, I don't want, you know, Yo-Yo is Tim's friend. He doesn't want Yo-Yo to be in trouble or in danger. And so he left him with Mad Hetty for a while to just to stay safe. Um, and as far as Tim knew, at the time, that was the absolute best decision he could have made, you know. And so Rose says, let's find Yo-Yo. Tim knows exactly where Yo-Yo is going to be. Let's go. He's over here. And they get to the fountain where Hetty usually is. And her pigeons, her birdies, are kind of in a gigantic ruckus. Um, and Hetty and Yo-Yo aren't there. And... Yeah, Rose, in her normal, very understated way, observes that this is this is not ideal. Um, so 
there's there is this problem. They need to find the door. They don't have any of the tools that they thought were going to be useful to them. And you know, just to sort of add insult to injury, the weather, it's been raining, it's getting worse and worse. Except here at the fountain, Rose realizes there's a door here. It's incredibly powerful. Maybe that's why the pigeons have gone sort of bonkers. You know, this is the thing. This door appears. And they're getting ready to go through. They're trying to open it. And then all of a sudden, we see Mr. Davies in his library. And now remember, this is the guy who has kidnapped Ellie, um, who has trapped her elsewhere in a book. Um, tune in for issue nine to discover what happens to Ellie then. Um, and we see as Tim and Rose are trying so hard to open this door, we see Mr. Davies pushing down hard on the cover of a book, a cover of a book where rain and water is leaking out from. So it's quite clear through that absolutely gorgeous bit of artwork that um, this is to, to, that he is trying to hold closed the door that Tim and Rose are trying to open. Um, and Rose is very much, you know, she's, she knows what's necessary. She tells Tim, you know, you're going to need, I'm going to need all your strength, both physical and magical, to do this. You know, and then we turn, uh, we turn to page eight, which is one of my favorite pages in this issue, and we see Tim and Rose on one side of the panel trying to open the door, and Davy's hand on the other, pushing closed the book, pushing closed his side of the door. Um, and it's just, it's such a striking image. I absolutely love what the art team did with this. Um, and, and then we see, we see more of Davy's efforts. We see a partway open book with uh, Tim and Rose's faces in it, and then we see Davy slamming himself on top of the book, and more and more water and rain and weather leaking, and then the book is shut. And, you know, Davies thinks that, you know, Davies is so happy, they're not going to be able to get through the book to get to him, to get to where Ellie is. And we see Tim and Rose falling through somewhere. Um, we're not sure. <laughs> when I, uh, when I was getting to, to pitch and to think about the idea of actually writing for Books of Magic, which was kind of unbelievable to me. It's still kind of unbelievable to me that I get to spend time in this world and with these characters for my actual job. Um, one of the things that I really loved about Neil's initial run on Books of Magic was that Tim got to go all sorts of places through all sorts of different worlds. You know, he went to the dreaming, he went to fairy, he went to the end of the universe, you know, and so that was such, it gave me such a big world to allow Tim to play in, to allow me to tell this story in. And so here in this issue, we get to, we get to take advantage of that um, sort of gigantic world that's accessible to Tim. And, uh, you know, we, we turn to the page, Tim's asking Rose where they are, she's not where they expect, she, where she's not where she expected to be, and we learn very soon that the place that they've gone is actually fairy. Um, and this is going to come with all sorts of complications. Um, 
one of which happens right away. As we turn to page 11, um, Tim has an incredible pain. Um, and then we see him remembering things from the first time he went to fairy. Um, people who read Neil's initial run of the Books of Magic know that as Tim was deciding whether or not he was going to choose magic, to choose to be a magician, um, he spent some time traveling. He went to fairy um, and had a number of adventures there. And one of the things that readers of that series and this new series have been wondering is, okay, so if all of that happened, why doesn't Tim recognize Rose when she shows up in his classroom as his teacher? Because Rose was one of the people who helped Tim walk through those choices, who, who accompanied him to Fairy um, the first time he was there, who helped him on that part of his adventure. And so it was this big sort of mystery as to why he was acting like he had no idea who this person was. Well, as it turns out, um, you know, Evette Rose was wondering why Tim didn't remember. And so here, as Tim is having some of these memories of fairy come back to him, he's trying to figure out what's going on. And Rose is explaining, well, yes, you've been here before, but the nature of fairy is to require a tithe from its visitors. It will take something when you come pass through fairy. In this case, it took Tim's memories. Um, so even though Tim had been to Fairy before, had met Rose, they had spent time together, she had been this important part of his life, that memory was gone. Um, and now parts of that, now that he's returned to Fairy, parts of that memory are coming back. Um, and Tim is, you know, really confused and not at all happy about this, you know. Um, and so he was, he's trying to figure out what happened, you know, okay, we were here, you know, and then it feels like, it feels like what, what this is, is another betrayal to him. Um, another, you know, he didn't know what happened, but Rose still had her memories. She could have told him at any point and she didn't. Um, and so Tim is again angry that she knew this thing, this thing that maybe was important to him, that maybe could have helped him, and she chose not to tell him. Um, so this is going to be another sort of rift in uh, Tim's relationship with Rose. And then as we turn here to page 13, um, you know, Tim and Rose are traveling through Fairy, which is, you know, looking possibly a little bit stranger and stranger. Um, and, uh, and Tim's a little bit confused. So he's still thinking they're going to find Ellie really soon. And Rose is still trying to explain that this is, this is not where she thought they were going. And Tim is like, okay, so we're, we're going on a nature walk instead of doing something useful. We're just walking through the woods here. Great. Um, you know, he's, he is not at all happy. And so he is retreating somewhat into sarcasm. Um, and as we continue through the woods of fairy, we start to see some of fairies more, uh, interesting denizens hiding out. Um, so Tim is asking where they're going and Rose explains 
that uh, fairy is because fairy is a place that's made of magic. Um, magic that's done there would be stronger than magic that was done back in London in her office. And so one of the things that they were trying to do earlier was to use a scrying dish that Rose had to help find where Tim's mom was. Um, at the other, you know, a scrying dish can help you see things. And so now that Tim and Rose are there in Fairy, what they're going to do is take advantage of the fact that uh, there's magic everywhere in Fairy, that the spell will be enhanced, the magic will be increased, and use the natural phenomena of fairy at, um, and to help them in their in their quest to discover what's going on. So we see Tim and Rose come upon a pool of water in the middle of the forest. They're going to take advantage of the strength of the magic. Um, and this is where, you know, working in comics gets really fun because we can see um, what Tim and Rose see and then we can also see the actual reflection in the scrying pool, which is Tim looking not like himself. His reflection has started to sort of take on um, characteristics, have a mind of its own. Um, and so Rose is explaining that this is what we're going to do. Um, <clears throat> we're going to use this magic to discover what's going on. We're going to see into the scrying pool to figure out who is opposing them and you know whether that person has Ellie um, to try basically to try and make sure there aren't going to be any more surprises. So Tim's ready. Um, and then we switch here to page 17. And Tim and Rose, we see Tim and Rose peering into the scrying pool. And then we also see, and we see them, um, they're not seeing anything, basically. We see them seeing nothing. Um, except as the reader, again, we can see there in the scrying pool is older Tim evil Tim, the Tim that we were trying to not have happen. Um, and so seeing him like this, the, the continued references, the continued sight is sort of solidifying for the reader that this is really going to be a future they're going to need to watch out for. This is really something that might happen. Um, and so at this point, um, Tim kind of loses it. He's he's had a very long day, and he's frustrated, and he doesn't know what's going on, and everything is going wrong, and Rose's solution is that they are going to take a nap, um, which, you know, maybe that if you're a, an adult and things are going very wrong, you feel like taking a nap is like the absolute best possible thing that you could do. Tim's not really happy. Um, we see Rose is unpacking from her magical Mary Poppins sort of bag. She's got blankets. Who else, Who knows what else she has in there? It could be anything. Um, and so she she deals with the situation by throwing a blanket at Tim's head, um, you know, which is sort of surprising that she hasn't done that already in the series. Um, and she explains that there's, there's literally nothing else they can do. They need to rest. They can't do anything else at this time. Um, the next day, The next day when they wake up, they'll go to the goblin market that's a good place for information and for magic um, and we see there's there's Rose falling asleep wrapped up in her blanket and Tim being very grumpy and making a possibly inappropriate gesture at his teacher and then he falls asleep as well um, and while he sleeps Tim has a nightmare these are the same 
nightmares that have been haunting him since the beginning of the series that he doesn't remember. He just remembers they're horrible. And we can see he feel, he's caught in the teeth of something and they're smiling on the other side is evil Tim. Um, and then Tim wakes up and he is understandably extremely distraught um, and unhappy. Um, he is, you know, he's trying to reassure Rose that everything is fine because he doesn't really want to tell her what's going on with these nightmares, um, that he's having them, the thing that, 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 that there are things that he doesn't remember. And, you know, and he, and he pushes on that with her, you know, she's, she's asking if he remembers what this is about. And he's kind of like, oh, so now it makes a difference if I remember things, you know, he, he doesn't, Tim holds on to things a lot, um, and uh, so they're, they're getting ready, and then we see that, once again, in this issue, their plans are going to be changed for them. Um, they've decided to go to the goblin market, and out of uh, seemingly nowhere, three small fairies appear. Peas Blossom, Cobweb, and Mustard Seed, um, who tell them they are, in fact, not going to the market. They are going to see the lady. And on the next page, we see Tim just incredibly frustrated. He's got his wand out. He's ready to throw magic at these fairies. And uh, Rose literally physically restraining him from doing this. Because, as she points out, the lady that these small fae are singing about with such glee and delight um, and sharp, pointy little teeth is the queen of fairy, Titania. Um, and they definitely do not want to be on her bad side, so everything else is going to have to wait. Um, and I love, one of the things that I just really love here um, is the way Todd Klein's lettering changed um, for the voices of the fairies. You can almost hear on the page how different their speech is to Rose's and Tim's. Um, and so then we're, we continue through the forest, to Titania's palace, and the small fae continue singing about their absolute glee and delight that they are going to go see the lady. And then on the final page, um, we see Titania on her throne in all her glory. She's so happy to see Tim again. She's missed him so very much. Um, and somehow that seems like it might not be as good of a thing as it sounds. And that is the end of issue seven. Thank you so much for joining me. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original Dog. podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe Dog. to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your Dog. podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.